Thanks for joining us, and welcome back to the Watchman on the Wall podcast. Periodically, we'll bring you true stories of angelic encounters, heavenly visitations, near-death experiences, as well as modern-day prophecies that are relevant to us today. When we come back, we'll begin our next episode. Welcome back to the Watchman on the Wall podcast. Near-death experiences, NDEs, what exactly are they? Are they real experiences or are they just dreams? Well, I believe they're real experiences. We've had these stories on here before and I personally find them very inspiring. Today we're going to look at three separate near-death experiences. And as you know, some experiences are heavenly and some are hellish in nature. Our first story has both of those aspects. So here now is the near-death experience of Jordan Samuel. I went my whole life not believing that that hell was real. I said, you know, I didn't want to believe in all that dark stuff, you know. There's no hell. That's what I thought. But there is a hell. Jordan Samuel believes there's a hell because he believes He's been there. I could hear cackling, like laughing. <laughs> like laughs, they were demons. I could hear stuff. Earlier in his life, he never believed hell existed. If I live my life and do the best I can do, like karma-wise, you know, what goes around comes around, I'll just be the best man that I can be. He grew up in Edmonton, British Columbia with a single mom and went to a Catholic school. He was naturally inquisitive and asked a lot of questions about Jesus. How could one man come and just die for me? And, you know, who is this guy? And for that, he was kicked out of class. But my third time getting kicked out of class, I remember saying, you know what? I never want to know this Jesus guy. Whoever he is, he just gets me in trouble and I just get kicked out of class and no one wants to give me answers about him. And this is how people treat me. I don't want to know. His mom married and for the next 15 years, Jordan says his family life was great. Then, his mom and stepdad divorced. Jordan was devastated. The only way he knew how to deal with the pain was to rebel. So whether that was drinking and driving with buddies and underage driving, stealing cars, and, you know, getting stereos and having the thrill of, you know, almost someone catching me, but not quite. For the next four years, Jordan continued his reckless behavior but he wanted to turn his life around, so he stopped selling drugs and started working for an oil rig company. I was making really good money at a really good house. After work one day, Jordan decided to smoke some pot. He didn't know the pipe he used was laced with crack cocaine, something he had never done before. Jordan was sure he was dying. I can feel my heart going boop, 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 slowing down, boop, 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 and then like fluttering. Jordan believes in that moment he went to hell. All these women and all the things you think you want in the world, money, car, success, you know, um, all these things that I had and I was driving, I was just loving it. And then all of a sudden this car broke down. 
all of a sudden these women turned to huge, huge demons. And the, it, it, it earthquaked. And I looked behind me and I can hear screaming. It's all red and black. Ah, turn around, turn around, get out of here. It sounded like people burning. People that were just, just burning that couldn't find a cure or a fix to anything. It was just the worst. And I remember being afraid, gripping the steering wheel. And all of a sudden it was like, I'm back to my body in the trailer room. As Jordan was taking what he thought was his last breath, he made a declaration of faith to God. And my heart's going, boom, boom, like the last beat. Not even knowing why, I just said, I believe. And all of a sudden, boom, I'm gone. That's when Jordan says Jesus pulled him out of hell and took him to heaven. He was all in white. He was in a robe when I saw him. And he looked at me and he wears a crown on his head. And his eyes are fierce like fire, but there is no like, like color, just bright looking at me. And he's just, he's like, just, he just is amazing. You're at his feet. You're at the Lord's feet because he's just perfect. You worship him because he's the almighty. You worship him because he's, he's, he saved us. Then Jordan believes he was standing before God. The Lord went to the right hand of the Father, and I began to get judged by the Father. And it was the worst, because what happened was he, he played secrets in my heart that I locked with that I only knew that I ever did. And I thought no one could do, and I could feel what God felt. And I said, Lord, forgive me. Like, it was the worst feeling. And he just comes in, and he hugs you. He says, all is forgiven. My old heart was, was broken. My old heart needed fixing. And God gave me a new heart. All of a sudden, he told me he loved me, that I'm not alone, that I've never been alone. He showed me all the times in my life where I thought I was lucky, that I thought I was alone, but how his hand was always just upon me. And he was always right there pursuing me nonstop. He hugged me again, told me he loved me. And all of a sudden, I was like, Phew back in my trailer room on the floor. I grabbed the Bible. It was like it was glowing and I held it. I opened up the Bible. First thing I ever read out of the Bible was Psalms 34. The happiness of those who trust in God. I began to read it and it was everything that just happened to me. Only God can do that. Jordan shared his journey to heaven and hell with his girlfriend Danica. His voice changed, his eyes changed, his body language changed. Everything about him was new. It was different. So there was no doubting that he had had the experience that he did. My mouth, my words, swearing, everything was like cleansed, like cleansed. I was delivered from any addiction I had. Today, Jordan and Danica are married with two children. They're missionaries preaching the gospel around the world. They're letting everyone know Jesus is real and that he can change the most hardened heart with his love. God loves the broken and loves the lost, and he doesn't give up on them. He loves them with all his heart. He leaves the flock to find the one, and he did. We'll be right back with more near-death experiences after this. Hello again, this is The Watchman. 
Please join us each week for an exciting and inspirational podcast dealing with angel encounters, heavenly visitations, near-death experiences, as well as modern-day prophecies that are relevant to us today. So tune in each week and share it with your friends. After all, they could use a little inspiration in their life, too. That's the Watchman on the Wall podcast, and now you can find us on YouTube. Our next story is from a man who, when he was 14, went to the dentist and had a bad reaction to the anesthesia. So here now is the near-death experience of Philip Syracusa. In 1981, I had a near-death experience that changed my life forever at the age of 14. And I'd like to share it with everyone because I want people to know that there is another side. It was a routine visit and my mom had to take me to the dentist and um, they found a cavity and they gave me laughing gas, which we called sweet air back in the day. And I remember still feeling the pain and the dentist was in the room, the dentist assistant, my mom was sitting on a chair. So they turned it up, I heard the dentist say to the assistant, turn it up meaning the nitrous oxide. And about 30 seconds later, I found myself starting to float out of my body upward towards the ceiling. Now I'm looking face down at them working on my teeth, my mom, the assistant, and I'm saying, hello, hello, can you hear me, hello? And then I was pulled through the ceiling of the dentist office. I started to go up into the sky and into this portal, this energy, this vortex, this tunnel of some sort. And when I was pulled in it, it was dark, very dark in there and huge. I was going very, very fast. Um, I couldn't even explain the amount of speed that my spirit energy was being pulled through. And it was complete darkness. And there were turns and it was very windy. It wasn't very straight. I remember turning in there and all sorts of things. And then I came to a slower point and I started to hear melodies, soothing, soothing melodies. Now, what I'm seeing is through the mind's eye, the spirit eye, because now the physical part of me is still at the dentist office. And then I'm being pulled really fast again. I reach the end of the tunnel and a tremendous, beautiful light opens up into the sky. This magnificent sky that we don't have here. We have a sky, but we don't have this perfection of beauty that I've seen. It was like a brightness that was overwhelming and with love and energy. And I've seen these tremendous gates to the right side of me. These golden gates, very, very tall and wide like miles. It was huge. And then I'm being pulled through this garden. Now, there's no time on that side in the spirit realm. There's no time at all. Time does not exist. So I don't know the time I was there. And the physical realm was gone. It's as if my spirit body, my soul had taken back its true essence of form and went back home. And I'm drifting now through these fields. And the fields are beautiful. They're immense. They're perfection. There, there's no other word for it. The trees, the leaves, the roses, the flowers. I'm drifting through this scenery and I'm feeling at the same time now this vibrational energy 
of pureness thing. I'm connected to everything. No such thing as a negative thought, a low vibration. This was home, heaven. I would call it heaven. And this angelic being coming towards me as a, a form of levitation through the fields. And she had long blonde hair, crystal blue eyes, no wings, very angelic, very spiritual, mystifying. And she was able to pull me through vibration, not by touch, but by vibration through these fields and into a garden. The garden is second to none. The garden is, is euphoric. And as she's pulling me through this vibrational energy, I can feel her thoughts, her emotional love and then she drifts me off to the left where I see a park bench and I see two elderly people sitting in the bench and then this angelic being drifts away and I'm getting closer and closer to these two people and then they turn around and it's my grandparents now my grandmother died earlier that year and my grandfather I never met because he was deceased before I was born he looked like he was in his 60s a very good look not like a 60s in the physical realm like a glowing 60s and he looks at me and says hello sonny and i says grandpa and i smiled with this love and this wow i finally get to meet you and i see my and i turn i look at my grandma I'm like grandma she looks at me and she's not smiling and i'm confused and she points her finger and she says go back now and i says grandma one more time and I'm being pulled backwards now into a tunnel and I'm going very, very fast in this tunnel and through my mind's consciousness of love and what I've seen, I don't want to go back into the physical realm. I don't want to be pulled back. I want to be there with them. And I remember coming to a stop in the tunnel, a complete stop. No melodies, nothing. People ask me, what is the most horrifying thing about a near-death experience? In one sense, it's being nothing in nowhere in the tunnel. At one point, I felt like I was never going to be found alone, afraid. And through my thoughts of my mind, my conscious mind, my spirit mind, I'm pulling myself back to heaven. And once I reached the light again on the other side, I was pulled back one more time, very, very fast, through the sky, through this open portal that's tremendous and not visible to the eye, only to the spirit eye, and through the ceiling of a hospital and right back into the body as if I slipped into a glove. And I knew where I was, I knew where I went. But when I was on the other side, in heaven, this side, for some strange reason, I guess when we completely die there's more to the experience on the other side again that side is less there's no other way to explain it but i woke up breathing heavy and i had an allergic reaction to the nitrous oxide which i was allergic to i guess obviously no one knew and it stopped my breathing i tried to explain when i became aware and went back home where i was i said mom i was in heaven back in the um early 80s this is 1981 it's very hard for people to comprehend and understand they've heard of stories but there was no internet there was no shows on people who claimed to have been in heaven i didn't believe it for one not at all but where i was there's no explanation i'm 54 years old today and i can i can tell the world and i promise you that we go on the scariest part about the physical realm that we go through is 
I don't want to die because I'm afraid to die, which is mostly understandable for every one of us, right? Especially myself, even though I went through this, no one wants to die. And the fear of death and pain and then picturing yourself, whether you're, you know, six feet under or however, but you see, I was given this life lesson for a reason. One way I call myself the messenger to help other people, grieving families, people who say, I'll never see my loved one again. I promise you that it's not true. That is not true. You're going to see them again. We are all energy. We're a vibrational energy. And when you're on that side, we take back the true form and the essence of us. And people today ask me, well, what do you look like in this side? We look like the perfect fit of our soul's energy, per perfection. We'll be right back with more after this. Please join us on the Watchman News Network. It's a video news presentation of relevant stories dealing with end time topics. Just subscribe to the Watchman on the Wall podcast on YouTube and you will instantly have access to our latest WNN report. That's the Watchman News Network exclusively found on YouTube. Our last near-death experience is of a man who, when he was younger, had an operation in the hospital where he died for six minutes. So here now is the near-death experience of John Davis. I was at my parents' house and I was riding one of their mopeds. I turned a corner really fast and there was a squirrel sitting in the middle of the road. So in order for me to avoid hitting the squirrel, I made this huge right turn and I crashed into a tree and I hit in such a way that I had to have the tendons on my right hand surgically reattached to the bone. So the day the surgery comes and I have never had a surgery before. So as they started to give me the, the anesthesia through my veins, I could feel it going through my body, up through my arms, into my shoulders, down through my neck and then my chest and into my heart. In the very second that it hit my heart, my heart stopped. So the very second that I shut my eyes and died, I opened up my eyes and I was standing in the most beautiful, perfect marble building that I could ever imagine. And as far down as you could see, you, you couldn't see an end to this corridor. On the left-hand side were these beautiful, ornate, doorways or tunnels that looked like they had been cut out of the marble. To the very right of those doorways, about four feet, there were these tables and they each had four benches around the table so people could sit at each end of the table. During this whole process, there was somebody who was standing next to me, who was talking to me in my left ear. I never saw this person, but throughout my whole near-death experience, it was a guy who was standing next to me telling me what I was seeing and what I was looking at. He told me this was an orientation center. And I didn't think at the time anything about that I was having surgery or that I had an allergic reaction and that I had died. That didn't even occur to me. I was totally simply engrossed in what I was seeing. And so I just listened. There were people 
two people sitting at each one of these tables as far down as you could see. My guide told me to walk over and look inside the first tunnel. Inside the tunnel, I could see stars and I could see planets and I could see galaxies. It was absolutely a magical experience. That is a tunnel that people come through when they die. My guide then said, look up to your left and look at the next doorway. So I looked up to the next doorway and there was a man that was coming through and he had his right arm on his left chest. And my guide said he had died from having a heart attack. He looked very dazed. He looked very confused about what was going on. So the woman that was right in front of his doorway stood up. She walked over and she took his hands in hers. And she walked over and she sat him down across from her at this table. And I could see that she was talking to him, but I was too far away to see what she was actually saying. His appearance began to change. He was an 80-year-old man when he came through the doorway. But as he was talking to this counselor, he became younger and younger until he was probably in his late 20s or early 30s. Her job as an orientator was to help people remember that they have just finished a lifetime and that they're home now. And whether you want to call it heaven or you want to call it the other side, that's our true home. When she was done talking to him, he stood up. He walked over to the right of the table and he walked down three marble steps to a garden and I know people have described the gardens on the other side that they're absolutely beautiful but they are so hard to describe how beautiful they really are the gardens were almost like they were alive what was happening to this man is as he walked down those three steps and he walked into the garden there were people there a lot of people and they were there to greet him from coming back from his life they were hugging him kissing him welcoming him home saying what a great job you did, you did great, now you're back home again. And sometimes people don't need the orientation because they are much closer to the other side than others, especially kids. When kids cross over, they don't need to have an orientation because they just came from there. The orientation is for people who, who may have lived a long, long life and had forgotten where they really came from. And so that's where those counselors really come into play. And it was fantastic. I wish I could describe to you what it looked like but as i looked down this corridor there were people coming through the corridors through these tunnels it was very busy people were crossing over all the time and these counselors would get up and help them and bring them back to these tables and help get them orientated so the building he took me to next was a, a, under the greco-roman building with white columns beautiful white grecian roman columns out front and they were formed in a circle with a dome on top then we walked in, my guide said, this is where we plan our lifetimes. All of our lives go through a planning process and we plan them with our main guides before we come into life. So that life isn't, it's not just a random accident. There's purpose, there's reason. When I first walked in, there was a table and he was standing by it and there were two scrolls on the table. One had a blue ribbon on it and the other one had a red ribbon on it. And I didn't know what these were at first. My guide said, these are your scrolls that you write the major points of your lifetime on. Everybody writes down where they're gonna live, what their parents are gonna be like. Are they gonna go to school? Are they gonna go to college? What's their career gonna be? Are they gonna have a lot of money? Are they gonna have a little bit of money? All of that is prepared ahead of time on these scrolls. 
picked up the blue scroll and I opened up the scroll on the table. And when I tried to read it, all of a sudden the scroll folded back up again. And my guide said, I'm not allowed to read that until I finish this lifetime. But he was trying to show me that our lives aren't an accident. Everything is actually planned out for a reason. He said, we forget it because if we knew what we were supposed to do, we wouldn't be testing ourselves. He took me to a meadow, beautiful flowing mountains or hills. And all of a sudden, I saw animals come jumping down that hill. And he said, every one of these animals that you've ever loved or that anybody has ever loved is on the other side. As I was standing there, I could see two of my dogs and I could see two of my cats running down the hill. And all the animals play together until their loved ones from Earth cross over to the other side and come back and get them. It was such a feeling of unbelievable love that they're all there waiting for you and that they play with each other and that they're happy. And then the, the last thing that happened is my guide took me to this field. As I was standing there, another gentleman walked up. He was about two feet from me and he was so bright that I couldn't see his face. All I could see was that he was wearing a white robe with a red sash around the waist. He lifted up his hands and he said, you must tell them there is no death. The very second he said that, I woke up back in the hospital with these doctors all looking down at me. He said, he's back, he's back. I was physically dead for six minutes. And, and that's the crazy thing I don't understand is it felt like what he took me on was a two hour journey of the other side. How could he possibly have showed me all of those things in six minutes? It's so much a piece of my life now that I yeah. share it with almost anybody that, who wants to hear about it because that's what he told me. Hello again, this is The Watchman. Please join us on our new video channel called Encounters from Beyond the Veil. It's the same exciting content as our audio podcast, but in a shorter, but yet a video format. Also, please subscribe so you won't miss any of our episodes. That's Encounters from Beyond the Veil, exclusively found on YouTube. Well, thanks again for listening, and if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends. Any comments or suggestions you may have you can send to the Watchman on the Wall 2020 at gmail.com. We encourage you to subscribe so you'll always be notified of our future episodes. Well, thanks again, and we'll see you next time on the Watchman on the Wall podcast.